Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. We know that in Hebrews chapter 11 um, is the Faith Hall of Fame. And that's, that's what we call it. It basically lists all these people from the Old Testament and some from the New Testament who just did some amazing things for God. And then it leads into our foundational scripture for this whole series, which is Hebrews 12 and uh, verse 1. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith. And I'll stop right there for just a second. Um, so many of these, those people in Hebrews chapter 11 lived amazing lives. You know, you look at their stories, they're, they're recorded there, they're recorded in Hebrews 11. And I think it's pretty cool about the fact that those same people who lived those amazing lives are up in heaven now. And they're, they're actually doing something. They're not just up there hanging out. They actually says they're up there looking down on what we're doing down here. And I think that's so cool to think about. And it's not just them, it's them and the angels and it's our loved ones who have passed away before us. They're all up there cheering us on through life. You know, ever since my, ever since my dad passed away back in November, it's given me a new perspective on everything I do, recognizing that he's looking down and he's, he's cheering me on in this race that we're running. You know, on, on uh, this week when I was at that camp in Pennsylvania, I was up on the stage and I was looking out and seeing all these kids raising their hands, wanting to give their life to Jesus. And as I was celebrating internally, I was up there thinking, you know, my dad's watching this happen too, and he's so excited about that. And it just gives us a new perspective when we realize that people, uh, people these, these heroes of faith and our loved ones and the angels are looking down and cheering us on through life. It's the most amazing thing when we put that in perspective. Uh, when I, uh, so let's keep reading here. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So basically those, those people, they were encouraging us to get rid of the things that are holding us back. If there's things that we recognize that are weighing us down, that are holding us back, that are trying to trip us up, um, they're encouraging us, it's not worth it to hang on to those things. No matter how hard it seems to let that go, no matter how hard it seems to let that relationship go, it is not worth it to keep holding on to that. Um, they're saying it's, 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 it's worth it to let it go. It's worth your time. It's worth the effort. It's worth whatever it takes to let those things go that are holding you back right now. And then finally, letting, letting those things go, when we finally let those go, they enable us to run the race that God has for us. That's what they're trying to tell us is that we need to let those things go. And I get what you're thinking. You know, life can be tough sometimes. It can be hard to get through life, especially, and these things help me get through life. They help me hold on. They help me keep going. And, uh, and I get that. You know, life can be tough sometimes. Life can be hard. We can get tired sometimes. I know um, today, today makes, today, let me think, in the past nine days, um, this makes the 14th service I've ministered in in the past nine days. So if, if, you want, if you want to talk about someone who physically feels a little bit tired, I get that. I understand that right now. Um, but at the same time, it's been so amazing because I've just seen God move in so many amazing ways these past nine days. And that's going to continue this morning, too. I'm excited about what God wants to do this morning. But the key is, is that we need to keep going after him and following him and doing what he wants us to do and not be willing to let anything hold us back from doing that. Because things will try to hold us back, but don't let those things hold you back. So, so there are people and angels up in heaven looking down saying that you can make it. They're saying you can do it. You can keep on going. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to continue, like I said, with the series Running With Giants. And we're going to take a look at a different giant in the faith, and we're going to look at Mary. And we're going to look at Jesus' mother, Mary. And, um, and I, this is, I got so excited getting ready for this. I think you guys are going to have a good time with it too. Um, but we're going to see what kind of advice she would give us to run the race that we have ahead of us. We're going to see if she could come down and walk up on this stage right now and I could hand her the mic. We're going to take a look and see some things that she would encourage us with to get to the destiny that, that God has for us, to do the things we have to do before we're part of that great cloud of witnesses looking down on people here on the earth. So, um, you know, if we, if, we look at, if we look around the world, there's groups 
that when they look at Mary, they almost view Mary as a god. They almost view Mary as a god as far as how they worship her and pray to her. Um, but I think the reality is if you take a look at, at who she was, especially when we pick up with her story in the Bible, I think more than likely she was just kind of a scared teenage girl. Because uh, uh, people say um, she was roughly between the ages of 14 and 16 at the time when she had that encounter with the angel Gabriel. And just imagine, every, knowing, knowing her story, knowing the Christmas story, imagine facing that as a 14 to 16-year-old. I know she responded in faith, and that's amazing. Um, but if an angel showed up and, and visited her and said, you're going to become pregnant, and it's going to be God's baby, you know, you could just imagine the kind of thoughts you'd be thinking if an angel showed up and told you that. And I know if he told me that, I'd have a lot of questions, probably more than Mary had. So, um, but, you know, if you put yourself in Mary's shoes, I guarantee you the first thought she had was not, well, that just sounds wonderful. Let's do that. And more likely it was probably in her, in her mind, at least, it was probably more like, say what now? You know, you're, you know, say that again real slow. Or if it was these days, we would think that someone was pranking us, you know, like, Joseph, is that you? You got a camera back there? You know, what's, we, we, that's what we'd be thinking now, because it just seems like such an impossible, such a crazy thing. But if Mary were to walk in here right now, one of the things I believe she would tell us is that if you're ever in a place where God asks you to do something that makes no sense, and he will, I promise you, I've encountered it so many times. If you're ever in a place where God asks you to do something that's totally outside your comfort zone, and he will, I promise you, that's part of what it is following him. If you've ever had an encounter with God and all you can think is, I don't really entirely understand what just happened there. And you will have encounters like that with God, I promise. Or maybe you're thinking, God's not doing this the right way. You know, maybe you're thinking, this is, this is how I think it should work out, but God is doing this all wrong. Don't you know how this is supposed to happen? You know, if you've ever had thoughts like that, or, or maybe, you've been, maybe you've been praying for God to do something specific, and he's working it in a different direction than you were praying, than you were originally going after. If you've ever felt like God was leading you to do something, but in the natural, it didn't make any sense at all for you to do that. And like I said, I promise you it'll happen. Mary would tell us that we don't want to miss our moment with God. We don't want to miss that moment. He's, if he's trying to lead us in something that totally doesn't make sense, that's in a different direction than how we would do it, go with him. I promise you his way of doing it is way better than our way, and it's going to work out way better if we do it his way. She'd think, she'd say that basically God wants to do things that are bigger, and he can work it out in a bigger way than you could on your own. So let's go with his way of doing things. Um, God has a different perspective in life than we do. I've, th I've told this story before. It's probably been a couple years ago. Um, but for my dad's 60th birthday, I, I wanted to do something really special for him. Um, so what I did is I actually went down to the airport in Hillsville. And if you didn't know that, Hillsville has an airport. So I went down to the, the, the airport in Hillsville and actually rented a plane. And I hired a pilot. And basically, we just wanted, I just wanted to fly him around the area just to see everything that we knew and were familiar with around here from a different perspective. And, uh, you know, when you drive around here in a car, you know, with all the curves and mountains, you can maybe see a quarter of a mile, if that, sometimes. So our perspective is very limited when we're down here. You know, maybe if you're on the interstate, you can see a little further. Um, all these back roads, you can't see very far. Um, but when we took off in that plane, we, we went up and we got to the altitude that he wanted to take us around at. And, I was, he, and as we were up there, he was pointing us out to, he's like, okay, there's Christiansburg, there's Dublin, there's Pulaski, there's Withville, there's Hillsville, there's Galax, um, there's Pilot Mountain. And that was all from the same spot. You know, we were, stand, we were up there in the same spot in the air and he was pointing all this stuff out to us. You know, while we were up there in the plane, we basically had a different perspective than what we had when we were driving in the car getting to the airport. And that's basically what God gives us is he can see things in a, in a higher perspective. He can see the future. He can see where choices and decisions are going to take us. And because of that, he, even though what he's telling us may not make much sense, to him it makes perfect sense because he can see exactly where that's going to take us to. 
And it's important that we're going to his perspective and seeing his way of doing things, even when it doesn't make much sense to us because he loves us, he's a good, loving father, and he's going to lead us in the right direction. And we just need to trust that, even if we don't necessarily understand, why are you making me do that? Why do I have to go up there and say that to him? That doesn't make any sense to me. If we'll just step out and do it, it'll make sense as time goes on because he can already see that bigger picture. So that's what we need to be doing there. God, God can see that bigger picture, and he's trying to help us have more moments than we realize. He's, helping, he's trying to help us have more of those moments where we step out and do things that we don't necessarily understand, but he's trying to lead us somewhere and take us into something awesome. And it's up to us to just respond and say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Um, he's speaking, if you didn't know that, God's speaking to us all the time. He's always talking to us. You know, I, I believe that you know, a lot of people want to hear from God, and it's not that God has a hearing problem or that God has a hard time hearing us. It's that we have a hard time hearing him. He hears us all the time, and he's constantly responding and talking, and it's just up to us to take that time and focus on him and, and, and hear what he has to say. You know, I talked about how younger kids are all distracted now, and I, I think we're largely distracted too. And all you have to do is, is go watch um, anything. You know, you can go watch, watch kids playing basketball or kids playing football, and you'll see their parents on, there on their phone the entire time. You know, people are so distracted by anything. Um, and I think so many times we're trying to numb certain things and we're trying to avoid certain things in our life by filling all our, all our time with things. It can be television, it can be music, it can be social media, it can be alcohol, it can be painkillers. There's so many, we try to numb ourselves to what's really going on. We're trying to avoid facing certain things. So we try to fill all our time with these other things so we never really have to face these things. And what God kind of, I was actually, I was getting ready for this last night. And something God put in my heart is instead of, if we'll make the decision to no longer go to those things for relief, but instead go to him, give that time we would have spent doing those things and give that to him, he'll start help giving us answers to those problems that we're trying to avoid. You know, instead of just trying to avoid and numb the pain and move on from things, he'll actually help us get some healing. He'll actually help us get some wisdom. He'll actually show us some ways where we can move past that and not have to keep dealing with that anymore. Remember, he's a loving father. He wants to help us. He doesn't just want us to make it through life. He wants us to grow and succeed and enjoy life while we're here and be excited about going to heaven one day too. He wants us to enjoy things. And if we'll, if we'll, if we'll stop trying to numb what we're doing and, and, and distract ourselves all the time and focus on him, we're going to find that we have a lot more answers than we do questions uh, because he's just going to help us out in those things. So, so back to Mary. Um, I believe that she would tell us that God moments a lot of times seem impossible. Um, I believe she would tell us that. Uh, when he speaks to us, he'll usually tell us to do something or ask us to say something or ask us to go out and, and, and do this for somebody else. And there's a good chance that you're going to think that doesn't make any sense at all. That's what we're talking about here. But I want to look, let's look at our story. In uh, Luke chapter 1, in verse 31, he says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus and he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And the question that Mary asked is something I think we'd all be asking in that situation, or we might ask it in a much bigger way than she did. Um, but Mary asked the angel, she, she says, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. You know, we'd be, if we were watching that situation happening too, we'd be thinking the same thing. We'd be like, okay, angel, you know, maybe God hasn't sit, and, sit you down and gave you the talk about how this happens. 
But that's not how babies happen. You know, it just doesn't happen this way. And that's what she was thinking, and that's what we'd be thinking too. And there are some things that God's going to lead us to that aren't just, just are not going to make sense to our minds. They're not gonna, we're not going to be able to comprehend them on our own. And if your mindset is, I can't follow God unless I fully understand them, um, you're going to miss some of the best parts about God. You're going to miss some of the most amazing things that he wants to do through us if we limit him to the size of our mind. And in fact, when you live your life thinking that way, and I heard someone else say this, and it was so good, basically you reduce God down to the size of your brain. And that's not something you want to do. Man, thank goodness God is a whole lot bigger than my brain is. Thank goodness he, he knows some things that I don't know, and he can give me wisdom on some things that I have questions about because he's a whole lot bigger than that. So you don't want to shrink God to the point where he can only work within the confines of what you can understand because you're really going to mess, miss out on some of the best parts about God and, and the relationship that we have with him. Uh, for us to live in our, our best life, and that's what God wants for us, and that's what we want for us too, uh, we have to get to the place where we decide that we're going to trust him we're going to believe what he says. We're going to do what he says, even when we don't fully understand it. We can see Mary demonstrating that for us. You know, she did not totally understand exactly what was happening to her there. And, and yet, out of faith, we're going to see that she responds and says, I want to do it anyways. In uh, Mark 10, in verse 27, it says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. And we need to get that down on the inside of us. We need to get it inside of us that with God, anything's possible. There's literally no limitations to what he can do as far as moving in a powerful way in our lives. And God's in the business of doing the impossible. That's what he does. He's been doing it since the beginning of humanity, and he wants to continue to do it in our lives now. And I believe that Mary would tell us that when God comes to us and, and tells us one of those things that seems impossible, the best response you can give is just say yes. Just say, yes, I'll do it. Whatever you lead me to do, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, I'm just going to do it, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. In fact, we see that in Luke 1.38. Uh, it says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. You know, I think about the interaction, and it's such a great, what, was, what the next nine months of her life were getting ready to look like, or the next 33 years of her life were getting ready to look like. There's no way she fully understood that. And yet, she made the decision, I'm going to say yes to God anyways. I'm going to make the decision that I'm going to do what he wants me to do anyways, even though I don't fully understand what's getting ready to happen here. I'm going to say yes to what God wants. And I want you to encourage your, yourself to put yourself back in her shoes for just a moment and think about what the coming days like that are going to look like for her. The, the, next, the next few weeks and the next few months, you know, in the days to come, she's going to start to show. She's going to start having a little bit of a belly popping out. She's not going to be able to hide that. Um, in the days to come, she's going to start craving dill pickles and peanut butter, you know. She's going to start having those weird pregnancy cravings that pop up when that happens. And you know, and you know her, her family's initial reaction is going to be, okay, Mary, you know, we know you're engaged to Joseph right now. Why couldn't you guys just wait a little bit longer? You know, that's going to be their initial reaction when she, when she, you know, when your daughter shows up and says, hey, I'm, I have a baby and it's God's, they're not just going to say, well, that makes perfect sense. You know, we're going to believe you and take that for what, exactly what you, you know, that's not how that, that's probably not how that went down. They probably said, okay, wait a second here. And, you know, jo Joseph was probably saying, okay, so you're saying that this baby is God's. That's what you're trying to tell me right now. Here we are married, you know, we're, we're getting ready to be married here in just a little bit, and you're telling me this baby is God's. That's what you want me to believe, you know. So you can just imagine how those conversations must have gone for her really early on when she just found out. And then on top of that, if the religious leaders had found out what she had done, or what, the fact that she was pregnant, they'd kill her. And they'd literally drag her out in the streets and stone her to death. So these were, these were all things that were going to be set ahead of her in the, in the coming days and weeks and months to come that she was going to have to face. And if, if this little teenage girl 
this little 14 to 16-year-old girl couldn't have possibly have known everything that was involved with her making that decision to say, yes, God, I'll do what you want me to do. There's no way she could have comprehended all that at that moment. And part of us follow, following God is trusting God enough to step out and do what he wants us to do, even when we don't necessarily know the final outcome. Even when we don't necessarily know some of the steps we're going to have to take and some of the things we'll have to walk through. We trust God enough to say, God, I know that you've got my best interest in mind. I'm going to do what you want me to do, even though I don't understand it. Even though I don't understand these steps that are happening along the way all the time, I'm going to do what you want me to do anyways. And to me, that, that's, that's part of the example that Mary sets for us. And Jesus shows us the same thing when he's, uh, when, when he's ministering. I want to jump ahead um, about 30 years, and at this point, um, Jesus is, is active in his ministry. And uh, he's ministering at one point, and a, a guy walks up to him named Jairus. And basically, Jairus comes in and says, hey, my daughter, Jairus is like a, a ruler in the local synagogue. And he shows up and says, my daughter's dying. I need you to come help. I need you to come. I need you to come pray for her. She is dying, and I need your help. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come pray. We'll come pray, and she's going to be healed. That's what he, that's, and so he takes off, and they start walking. And, and since they're going, and this is the ruler of the synagogue, and this is Jesus, and they're walking together, there's this huge crowd of people around them. There's lots and lots of people around them. And uh, as they're walking through, that's where we get the story of the woman with the issue of blood. So they're on their way to go pray for his daughter, and this woman starts pushing through the crowd and grabs, his, uh, grabs onto his clothing, and she receives her healing, and Jesus stops and ministers to her for a second. And uh, this is happening, and after they get done interacting with the woman with the issue of blood, they start towards Jairus' house again. And basically, uh, as soon as they start heading that direction, a couple of people from Jairus' house show up and say, don't worry about it, your daughter's already died. Your daughter's already dead. And, and in Mark chapter 5, we see Jesus' response to that. In verse 36, it says, But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. And then Jesus goes in and he raises her from the dead. It's so amazing that he does that. And to us, in our minds, it would have made way more sense for Jesus just to pray for her to receive her healing and have her get healed from that sickness. But he already had something bigger planned. He had a big plan in mind to show up there and raise this girl from the dead so that when the news came that she had died, he wasn't stressed about that because he already knew what God wanted him to do. And, I did, and, and sometimes, like I said, sometimes we expect God to work in a certain way. We expect him to do a certain thing when he may have something bigger and even more impressive plan, and we just need to trust him that he's working through that. Uh, sometimes we expect God to do one thing, um, but his expect, expectations are a whole lot bigger and we just need to trust him that he's going to work and do big things in our life. So um, I believe God, uh, Mary would tell us that, that these God moments that we're talking about would open the door for us to experience God's best in our life. And we need to, we need to be expecting that. Um, that means that if God's moving in, in a direction that's different than what you would want him to, his direction is the right way to go. His, I'm going to keep driving that home today because that's, that's, the, that's the whole point of this is we need to follow after him and have faith in him just like Mary did. What he wants is better. Um, we have to know that God always has our best in mind. I'm going to keep driving that home, too, because that's what this is all about. We, not, we may not believe that because of experiences that we've had, but the truth of the matter is, is that God always has our best in mind. He's always working towards that. And so what did Mary do when she was faced with so many things she didn't know when she was faced with all these things? Um, and this kind of ties in with what Miss Angie was talking about this morning, is she went to see Elizabeth. When, we, when, she, when she had all these things going on and all these things to process and think about, she went to see Elizabeth. And in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 42, it says, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. So why do you, why do you think that, that Elizabeth, inspired by the Holy Spirit, talks about how blessed, and how, how blessed Mary and the unborn baby Jesus are? Uh, I think it's more than likely that Mary probably needed some encouragement. 
You know, I think she probably needed to hear that. So the moment she showed up, that's what the Holy Spirit inspired Elizabeth to say and just immediately encouraged her when she got around that person that was an encouragement to her. I think it's probably possible that as she was going through the beginning stages of that pregnancy and having to deal with all the stuff I've already talked about, that she probably didn't feel very blessed. And yet, as soon as she shows up, God inspired Elizabeth to start saying, hey, you're a blessed, you're, you know, you're blessed and anointed. And I think it's so, I mean, I've been around some, and I'm not talking about anybody in here, so I'll go and clarify that right now. But I've been around some pregnant women before um, that had some emotional swings. We'll just, I think that's probably the kindest, nicest way to say that. There's things going on that cause emotional swings to happen, and there can be some really big highs and some really big lows and everything in between there. And like I said, it's literally nobody in here, I promise. It's, it's other pregnant people. Everybody in here, when you get pregnant, it's just amazing. And yeah, anyways, so... But anyways, I've been around some that had some big emotional swings, and I, I, Mary was no different. She's still a person. You know, she wasn't a God. She was a person. So I have no doubt that as she was going through that pregnancy and things were changing, I have no doubt that she was experiencing those th same things. So God totally set her up to get that encouragement, which I think is so cool. And then in verse, and, and then I'll, let me just add this on top of that too. On top of the fact that she was experiencing the swings that happened from being pregnant, now just imagine the 14 to 16-year-old girls that you've known in your life. And think about the emotional swings that they already have at that age, too. And now combine that with somebody who's pregnant. And just imagine how fun that must have been uh, for people around her and for her, too. But anyways, verse 43. I won't, I won't play with that anymore. It says in verse 43, it says, she says, Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in the womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. You know, if, if Mary was blessed because she believed that God would do what he said, that means we will be too. When we trust God and we believe what he's saying, even if we don't understand it, we're going to be blessed too. You know, if you look at Elizabeth, Elizabeth was a little bit older than Mary. Um, she was a little bit wiser from, than Mary. She had had more time with God than Mary had. And, and when you've been living for God for a while, you know that God's always right. You know, when you can look back to your history and you can see how God's moved in your life and worked in you and your family, and you have all these testimonies of what he's done, it kind of builds your faith up a little bit. And Elizabeth had that, and she was drawing on that experience to encourage Mary. And I think that's so cool because we need that too. Just like Angie was saying this morning, there are times in our life where we need that encouragement too. So it's important that we know the people that we can go to that are going to speak that encouragement to our lives. You know, if you come to church here, one of the best things about going to church here is you walk in the front door and Miss Becky greets you, says blessed and highly favored, you know, and she just starts pouring the word on you every single time you walk in. That's what she's doing. And she's, if you're frustrated and not knowing who you are and not wondering what's going on and you feel like God's not there and nobody cares anymore, the moment you walk in here, she's immediately reminding who you are and how God sees you. And it's important that we have those people in our life that can do that. And we can even see Mary, Mary growing into that as time progresses. You know, if you jump ahead, if you jump ahead once again to where Jesus is an adult, and uh, this is about 30, year, about 30 years old, um, after 30 years of raising Jesus, you can see she's a lot more confident than she probably was back there as a teenager. You know, the, the first miracle that Jesus did was at the wedding in Cana. And as, as Mary is helping out at the wedding and, and doing the preparations and doing the things that she had to do as part of someone who was putting that wedding on, um, basically she looks at Jesus and says, hey, we're out of wine. I need you to get us more wine. And, and Jesus initially says, woman, it's not my time yet. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. It's not my time yet. And, and so Mary basically pulls the mom card on him. And I love that about her. She pulls the mom card and basically says, you're going to do it. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't argue with him. She doesn't, sit, she doesn't respond to what he's saying. She's just saying, you're going to do it. You know, that's kind of what, that's what that, she ignores him. She doesn't, you know, the mother of Jesus ignored Jesus. Imagine that. But then in, in John 2 and verse 5, I love this. 
She's, it says, but his mother, so talking about Mary, told the servants, do whatever he tells you. So basically, she's saying that he's going to tell you to do something that doesn't make sense. Uh, she was telling them that he's going to tell you, to, you're going to be thinking, well, that's not how we make wine. That's not how we get wine. It's not going to make sense up here, but go ahead and do it anyways. That's what Mary's telling the servants. And she already had an understanding of that, even as a 30-year-old, you know, when Jesus was 30-year-old, I guess she would have been in her 40s at that point, but she had this understanding that if Jesus tells you to do something, it's not going to make sense but do it anyways. I know you're going to think that's not the way you do that. That's not the way I would do that. That's not the way that anyone's ever done that. But if that's the way he tells you to do, don't even worry about it. Just do what he tells you to do, and the results are going to be good. And we can see in the case of his story, it was good. That was the first miracle we have record of that he performed. And that's, that's something we can take heart to. You know, if Jesus tells us to do something, just do it. Even if it doesn't make sense, just do it. Even if you, don't, you want to know, why do I have to say that? Don't worry about it. Just do it. Just do what he tells you to do, and I promise you, it's going to lead you to some amazing things just like it did there. So I, I want to I encourage you with, uh, with, uh, with four more things um, that I believe that Mary would tell us if she was here on the stage standing next to me right now, which would be pretty awesome. But she is looking down on heaven watching this happen, I believe, right now. And this is exciting. And the first one is that she would tell us to stay connected to God. I believe that's what Mary would tell us. So God is working in your life, so it's so important that we stay connected to him. It's so important that our lives are connected to him. I think one of the biggest things that keeps us disconnected from God is how connected we are to everything else. And I already talked about that. There's so many things that compete for our attention. And I think we're so connected to so many things now, it's hard to pull away from that and connect to God. And I just encourage you to do that. I encourage you to make that choice, no matter how hard it is, to pull away from those things that always pull your attention from you and make sure you're taking those moments every day to connect to God and what he wants to do in your life. It's so important that you do that. Um, it can even, we can even be busy with good things, and I'll say that too, is we can, we can stay so busy with good things, but they're not necessarily the things that God has for us. You know, there have been times in my life where it seemed like, you know, for weeks at a time, I was busy every single night, I was busy every day off, I was busy constantly, and it was great things, it was ministry type things, but looking back and I realized I got, I got tired, I got burned out, I got to the point where I was so frustrated with life, and I looked back and realized that there were things I was doing that they were good, they were helping people, but they weren't necessarily what God wanted me to do, and I was burning myself out in the process. And it's important that we don't allow ourselves to get busy with those things either. You know, it's important that we live our lives for God and do, does, do what he wants us to do, but at the same time, we don't need to be exhausted and wear ourselves out by doing more than he wants us to do. So keep that in mind too. So looking at the, uh, the Christmas story, um, we can actually see kind of a picture of this in our society today. In uh, Luke 2 and verse 16, it says, they hurried to the village and found, this is talking about the shepherds, it says they hurried, keep in mind they hurried to the village, and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. Um, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. So it says they hurried off to find Jesus, and then as soon as they, they had this encounter with Jesus, they hurried off to tell everyone what happened. You know, they weren't, they weren't taking time to spend time with them. They weren't taking time to just experience what was going on there. They, they basically hurried there, got the information, then hurried off to tell everyone else, but not Mary. And I want you to notice that Mary was more in the moment. While everybody else was hurrying off, I want to show you what she was doing. And on verse 19, it said, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. So she wasn't rushing off to go tell everybody. She wasn't rushing off to doing what next. She was sitting there with Jesus just experiencing what was going on and just kind of meditating. And one, one translation says she's pondering on everything that had just happened. So she's pondering this encounter she had with God, this, this amazing experience she just had. She's thinking about it, spending time on it. To me, that sounds a lot like worship. And sometimes we need to slow down 
and make sure, make sure that we're taking time to, to spend some time worshiping God, not just here, but on our own time too. That's a loud noise. And then I, I, I was thinking about this last night and thinking about a story in my own life. And I can remember, I can remember one time where, uh, it was probably about two years ago, and I was working up there at the church, and I was, I was at a place um, where I had a lot of things I needed to do, and there were a few things I wasn't really sure what direction to go, and I was very frustrated and overwhelmed, and, and I, it, was, it was not fun. It was one of those days where you're like, I just want to go home and never come back here again. You know, that, you can work in the best place in the world and have those moments like that sometimes, so it's an awesome place here. I'm not trying to say it's not, but I was just, in that particular day, I was overwhelmed, and finally, I, what I did is I stepped away from my computer and stepped away from my desk for about five minutes, and I went in and turned some worship music on and just started worshiping God. And it was amazing within those five minutes of pulling away from that and putting my attention on God just for those five minutes. First of all, I had such a peace that just flooded me. Like God was like, hey, I've got this. Don't worry about it. But then within those five minutes too, I noticed that those things I wasn't sure what direction to go on, I started to get clarity on what I needed to do. I started to, I, God started to give me wisdom on how to do this and how to do that. And I wish I'd done that a whole lot sooner in the day because I could have avoided the whole big overwhelmed feeling session I was having there. But it's so important that we're taking those moments every single day to put our attention on God and just to spend time being there with God. You know, no agenda, not trying to get anything from him, but just recognizing, hey, this is, this is a moment where I just need to spend time with my Savior, with my Creator. I just need to spend some time getting to know him better in his presence. And if you'll do that, I think you'll be amazed at how much it affects the rest of your life if you'll prioritize those moments. Um, Jesus himself said it in John 15, verse 5. He said, when you're joined with me and I with you, the relation is intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. That's in the message translation. I love that so much. But basically, that's saying that we were created to stay connected to God. He literally made us that way. And if we're living our lives disconnected from him, it's going to lead towards feeling frustrated. It's going to lead towards feeling overwhelmed. It's going to lead towards feeling like there's something missing. There has to be more than that. So it's important that we're living our lives connected to God like that. Um, the second thing I believe that Mary, if she was standing here next to me, that I believe that she would say is that we need to stay connected to our purpose. And I think that one of the big things that really kept Mary going was that she had the responsibility to carry around Jesus. She knew what her purpose was. The angel told her what her purpose, and she lived her life for that purpose. And I'm sure there were days that she didn't feel very encouraged. I'm sure there were days that she was experiencing the things that come along with pregnancy, and, and, and man, I, this, this is just tough. I'm sure she had days like that. Um, I've I, I told you all before, I ministered some at the children's home here in town, and uh, I was, last time when I was out there last month, I was talking to one of the girls who works there, and she's, she's pregnant right now, actually due in January. And she said, I have thrown up every day for weeks now. And she said, last night I was sleeping, and she said, I, I woke up every hour and threw up. She said, every single hour last night I woke up and threw up. So there's some things that come along with being pregnant that aren't necessarily all that pleasant that you have to go, with, go through sometimes. So I, I think it's so awesome that God sent her some encouragement even after the pregnancy. In Luke chapter 2, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus have an interaction with a guy named Simeon that I think really encourages all of them. And in verse 34, it says, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, the child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And then as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Why would he have to tell her that? Why, why, would, why would Simeon have to remind Mary of that since she already had kind of an understanding of it already because of Gabriel? Well, for those of you who have been a new mom, and I never have obviously, but for those of you that have been a new mom, 
Um, you can put yourself in those first couple of weeks or first couple of months of having a baby, and uh, that can be pretty overwhelming. You know, there's so much that, that captures your attention and taking care of making sure that baby doesn't die and making sure it's raised up and making sure you're attending to its needs, that it can be so overwhelming to have to take care of a new baby. And I believe it's very possible that after taking care of that new baby Jesus for as long as she, she did up to this point, it's very possible that, that Mary needed that encouragement, needed to know that this was still her purpose, this was still what she was here to do. And God made that connection with her and Simeon. He was telling her that she's a woman of purpose. He was reminding her that, hey, everything that's happening is exactly how I want it to happen. God was giving her a reminder of that. And it works the same way for us is knowing God's purpose for us, knowing what God wants us to do, knowing while we're here on this earth is one of the keys to us being successful too, is we have to know what our purpose is. We have to know why we're here. If you don't know what your God-given purpose is, is if you don't know why he made you, if you don't know what your purpose within the church and in life and at your workplace is, life's not going to be fun. We're always going to feel like there's something missing. We're always going to feel like, I wish there was more to this. Um, and on the flip side, when we're connected to our purpose, life can look on the outside look like it's horrible. But when you're connected to your purpose, you're enjoying life because you know you're where God wants you to be and you're doing what he wants you to do. And that's why it's so important for us to stay connected to our purpose. Um, that's why Paul wrote to encourage Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1.6. It says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. You know, so many times our purpose is like a little bit, little tiny ember on the inside of us. And Paul's saying we need to fan, fan that thing out. We need to get that thing going, a, a, a flame, get that thing raging on the inside of you. It's time to get that burning on the inside of you again too. Find out what your purpose is and don't allow it to stay there dormant, but to start to fan that thing in the flame and start going after what God has for you. Um, it'll change your life when you know why you're here on this earth and what your purpose is. It will, it'll give you vision and a purpose. Uh, the third thing that I believe Mary would tell us is to stay connected to the people who encourage you. And man, like I said, this ties in so perfectly with what God gave Angie this morning. Uh, but when Mary went to Elizabeth's house, I want you to see that she didn't just go for a short visit. In uh, Luke 1, verse 56, it says that Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went, to, went back to her own home. So if you put herself in her, back in Mary's shoes again and start thinking about what home was like for her, uh, home is where everybody must have been talking about what she said happened. Um, everybody must have been talking about the fact that, hey, she's pregnant, and we know when her and Joseph got married, and we know how far along she is. And that, that, you know, that all those conversations were no doubt happening back home because they were people just like people would be talking now if something like that happened. And so that, that was what was happening back home. So what she decided to do was, I'm going to go stay with the person who's been encouraging to me for three months. So any of you guys want to move in with Miss Becky for three? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. We're not going to, we're not going to do that to her. But the, the bottom line is that's why it's so important that we come together in church in times like this is because there are so many people here that will encourage you. You know, on Sundays or Wednesdays or Tuesday mornings at prayer or any other time that you want to be here and show up, I promise you there'll be somebody here who can encourage you. Or if you say, hey, meet me, I need some encouragement, they'll meet you at Starbucks or wherever you need to meet at to encourage you and lift you up and remind you, hey, I know you feel beat down right now. I know life looks impossible right now, but I want you to tell you God's not done with you. God has a plan and a purpose for you. We got people here that remind you of that, and that's why it's so important that we stay connected here. In, uh, in Hebrews 10, 23, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his purpose. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So God doesn't do us do it all. Notice it says there, it said, we need one another. 
So we need those one another's. We need one another's in our lives that can encourage us and help us. We need those one another's when we feel like we're falling, when we feel like life's overwhelming and weighing us down. We need those one another's. We need those people who are gonna speak life into us and encourage us when we feel like, like quitting and tell us to keep on going. Uh, we need people who are gonna remind us what the word says instead of what our friends are saying or instead of what, what the internet tells us to do or instead of what our own mind is telling us to do. We need people that are gonna encourage us and tell us what the word of God says about us. And then in verse 25, it really drives that home. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So we've got to get around other people. We've got to be around other people. We need to get around those people who are telling us, I'm praying for you. You're going to make it. Don't quit. God has a plan for you. We need to be around those people that are doing that. And the last thing, the last thing that I believe Mary would tell us is actually let's let's jump ahead to the day that Jesus was crucified. Let's do the scripture first. So, so the day Jesus was crucified, um, and I apologize if it sounds like my voice is going when you preach 14 times in nine days. It, it tries to take off on you like that. So we're almost to the end here, and we're going to make it, and it's going to be awesome. But if you if we jump to the day that Jesus was crucified, Jesus is hanging there on the cross, and Mary's at his feet. So you know, Mary, this this isn't you know we look at this. This is the Son of God. But there was also a mom involved here. So Mary, Mary was standing here watching. And I think a lot of times when we tell this story, when we tell it at Easter or times like that, you know, a lot of times we look at the story from Jesus' perspective. Um, a lot of times we look at this from God's perspective, looking down on his son. Uh, but a perspective we don't talk about a whole lot is Mary's perspective. Because uh, Mary was his mom. Mary was his mom. Carried him in his womb for, for nine months. Raised him for 33 years. And yet here she is watching her son who had been through the worst beating that anyone's ever been through. And now he's hanging up on this cross. And he's a bloody mess. He's been through that whole process. This is her son up there. And I believe, to me, when I think about the hardest thing a mom could ever have to go through, I'd have to think that's it. Like, I, for a mom, I can't imagine there's anything harder a mom could possibly have to go through. And in John 19, 25, and I'm going to read this in the message too. It says, Jesus' mother, his aunt, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene stood at the foot of the cross. So I'll just point out there real quick, notice they weren't alone. Notice she wasn't alone there. She had her, her people with her. She had her encouragers there with her around the cross. And it says, Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing near. He said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that moment, the disciple accepted her as his own mother. So to me, it's so amazing that even up there on the cross, Jesus was looking down and he still had the ability to take care of somebody else. So he looked down at Mary and said, all right, Mom, he said, I've done what I need to do here. Uh, I can't be your son anymore because i got to go to take care of something else. i got to pay the price for everybody's sins. That's what i got to do now. Um, so John's going to be your son now. John's here. He's going to be your son. John, Mary's going to be your mother. Take care of her. That's basically the interaction there. And then he dies. And just imagine what it must have been like for her to walk away from that scene. You know, how did she do it? You know, how did she walk away after watching her son go through that? How did she walk away after realizing everything he had been through and the fact that now he's just gone after she put so much into him for that many years? How did she keep going through that darkest day in her life? And the answer is heaven. I believe heaven is what kept her going through that. You know, I believe that a lot of times we put so much hope and so much happiness in this life when this life is such a short period of time in the big scheme of things. You know, if you, if you look at a, a bad day that you may have here, at that moment, it feels like your world's falling apart. It feels like everything's crashing down. 
but in the scope of eternity, in the scope of forever, in the scope of living forever with God in heaven and then everything that comes after that. That bad day is just such a tiny little blip on the radar. You know, the moment that we pass away many years from now and the moment we go to heaven, we're not going to remember this day at all. We're not going to remember that bad day. We're not that thing that consumed our life and consumed our thoughts so much. Even if it was a year or two that we dealt with the grief from that thing, that's going to be such a small little thing that happened in the light of everything that's ahead of us. And I believe Mary had an understanding of that, that sure, this was an awfully bad day, but I know where he's at. And I know where I'm going to see him again one day. I believe she had an understanding of that. And when the, the Bible talks about the hope that we have, and the only time that the Bible actually uses the phrase blessed hope is when it refers to heaven. Heaven is our blessed hope. That's something we have to look forward to one day. So I believe that Mary would tell us, the last thing that she would tell us is that we need to stay connected to the bigger picture. We need to stay connected to, to what our purpose is and the bigger picture that God has for us. Because we may face things that seem impossible. We may face things that seem like there's no way through this or it, feels, it may feel like, how do I go on from this? How do I keep on living after this? Remember, this is just a very small part of a much bigger picture and God still has great things ahead of you. I know, I know there's, a, there's a grief and there's a mourning process we go through, but there's great things ahead of us if we'll stay focused on God. And I believe that's what Mary would encourage us with. Uh, we don't have to, we, like I said, we won't even remember at the moment that we step into heaven. So learn to, learn to stay connected to the bigger picture and learn to put things in perspective as they come up in your daily life. And that even means that coworker that just annoys you to no end, put it in perspective in the bigger picture of laughter. I promise you it's not that big a deal. And just approach life that way. So, and remember, we have got people up in heaven. We've got the, these, these heroes of faith we're talking about. We have angels. We have our loved ones who are up there. We have them up there cheering you on every step of the day. When you have those moments like Angie talked about where you feel alone, you're anything but alone. You've got God right there with you. He goes with you everywhere you go. But on top of that, you have all these people up in heaven looking down saying, you can make it. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop. You've got great things ahead of you if you, if you just keep going. And we've got people down here that we still need to influence. So don't give up. Don't quit. God still has a purpose for you here too. I believe that's what they'd be telling us right now. So the first step in us starting this amazing race that they're talking about, this, this life of faith, this race of faith that we're talking about through this series is, is starting a relationship with Jesus. That's what's more important than anything else. So for just a moment, I'm going to ask everybody in here to bow your head and close your eyes. And I ask you to do that because I want you to look at your heart. Um, I want you to think about where you're at with God right now. I want, to think, I want you to think about how confident you are in your relationship with Jesus. And if you've never made that decision to where, Jesus, I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I want to accept that sacrifice where you paid for my sin. If you've never made that decision, never made that step, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I believe that you came and you died for me and that God raised you up on the third day. And it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I'm going to live my life for you from this point on. I'm making you Lord of my life. If you've never done that, but you'd like to leave here confident that you have a relationship with God, if you'd like to leave here confident that you know you're going to heaven one day, that you know you're going to be part of that great cloud of witnesses, if you'll raise your hand, I'd like to pray with you. And you can leave here with confidence knowing that you've got that connection with Jesus from this day forward. And I'll give you all just a moment here because this is always so important. I know this is Sunday morning and a lot of us are church people here, but this is so important just to make sure. And I'm looking around. Just a, just a moment longer here. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I see that hand too. Is there anybody else? Something else the word says is that same great cloud of witnesses. It says that when anytime someone gives their life to 
life to God, it says they start celebrating up in heaven. You know, I made the comment that this past week I kept picturing my dad up there celebrating in heaven. And man, they're celebrating right now too. When you make that decision, I'm going to live for God. Man, they just start celebrating up there. So um, the next thing, y'all keep your heads bowed and eyes closed just a moment longer. Um, the next thing I want to ask you is maybe, maybe you have made that decision. Uh, maybe you are a believer, uh, but you haven't been living for God. You recognize there's some things that you've been doing um, that he's told you to stop. Um, there's some things you've been, some sin that you've allowed in your life that you know isn't right, but you've been doing anyways. But you're ready, you're ready to leave that in the past. You're ready to live free from that. Or maybe you're just in a position to where I've given my life to God, uh, but he hasn't been a priority. I haven't been living for him like I should. He hasn't been in that number one spot. I haven't made him the focus of my life. God's so good and he loves us so much that he promises us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we come to him and say, God, I've sinned, I haven't been living for you like I should, and he actually forgives us, and he basically cleanses us from all our sin. He literally goes from the inside out, wipes us clean like we never made a mistake. So if you can say, that's me, I, rec I am a believer, but I haven't been living for God, or I've been doing some things I'm ready to get right this morning. If you'll raise your hand, I'd like to pray with you about that too, and we can leave here knowing that we're forgiven that we're cleansed from the inside out because of what God's done for us. So if that's you, raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you on that too, if that's, if that's you today. And I see lots more hands popping up, and that's so exciting. They get just as excited in heaven about that too when we make that decision. So I'll give y'all just a moment longer. You're saying, I want to I wanna be in on this prayer. I want to pray this prayer for me too because I need to. All right, y'all can put your hands down. What we're going to do here is, is we're going to pray a prayer exactly like I just said. And God's so amazing. He's going to forgive us. He's going to cleanse us. He's going to save us. And we can leave here knowing confidently where I'm at with God and what's ahead of me because I know I've got that relationship with him. That's so amazing. So I'm going to, I'm going to pray these words. I'm going to ask you to pray them after me. And don't pray them like you're just repeating them because I'm saying it. I encourage you to pray them like you're talking to God right now because that's exactly what's happening here. So say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to pay the price for my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and that God raised you up on the third day. And because of what you did for me, right now, I'm making you the Lord of my life and I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content Find out more about our upcoming events and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.